Hello and welcome to another podcast in the weekly series from BNP Paribas Wealth Management. In today's podcast, I will be speaking to Guy Ertz, my good colleague from Luxembourg, to talk about the economy, the economy in the US, in Europe and in China. What is going on? Do we expect recession? What is happening to inflation? And questions such as these. So I think, Guy, to start with, let's start with the US first of all, because that has seen quite a confusing set of data recently. We have been expecting recession, and certainly the US yield curve suggests that a recession is coming. The lead economic indicator would suggest the same thing as well, that recession is coming soon. But then we have conflicting data series like the ISM services PMI, which was well above 50, indicating expansion rather than the contraction in activity you would expect if we're in or going into recession. So what do we make of that mixture of data, Guy, first of all? And secondly, what can we expect over the next few months in terms of the path of US inflation? What is really important is uh, to look at the underlying trend. We've seen the economy uh, in the US showing signs of, uh, of more resilience. In particular, we've seen a recovery in the consumer confidence. That was probably linked also to the, to the strength of the U.S. job market and the peak in inflation. And that is something that has led us to revise up a bit our forecast of, of U.S. GDP in particular. Now, of course, we have to look a little bit more here on the sequence. The next few quarters will be still very weak, probably even for some quarters it could be still negative but less than expected. And, and that is really important here for financial markets. It is really important here to see some inflection point. Also, the forecast is, of course, uh, important, the dynamics of forecasters. But all in all, I mean, the economy is showing more resilience. We have been upgrading uh, the GDP figure. Uh, we've been also seeing more signs of uh, inflation coming down, also leading us uh, to be seeing a little bit less inflation uh, in particular for 2023. 20, uh, so this is really uh, a trend in the in the US uh, that has been showing improvement, especially when it comes to the to the forecast part. So if we if we to summarize the US, we could say not quite Goldilocks. I think people are really talking about Goldilocks. And also people are talking about a soft landing, i.e. no recession. I mean, what's your view there? Are we, are we going to see a recession in the US later this year? And if so, what type of recession can we expect? Well, if we see a recession, uh, it'll be very likely limited in, in time and also limited in, in amplitude. And um, again, what is expected now is something much less negative than it was expected still a few weeks or a few months ago. Also, uh, the IMF has been increasing their outlook uh, more generally on the, uh, on, the, on the economies. So all in all, I would say that uh, there is definitely an improvement relative to the previous month. The short-term dynamics will see some weakness still that will be driven mainly by delayed effects of interest rate increases on the housing. That will be the key part to monitor how deep housing could be slipping uh, into into the into a recession but uh, we have no signs uh, yet that uh, we will see a very tough uh, environment uh, for for housing it will be still a, an environment with uh, with weakness but due to the delayed effect it's not fully clear now at this stage how deep the the, the housing part uh, will be 
uh, affected. But in any case, the, how the health of the consumer uh, via the job market will be uh, cushioning uh, the, uh, the effect. And uh, we think that this will help uh, also further upward uh, revisions in forecast. And that is really what the financial market are, look, uh, are looking at. Financial markets mainly are looking at the end of the downward revision trend, which it is, in our opinion, now behind us, and the gradual increase uh, in the forecast. So for the financial market, that is the most important thing, despite the fact that we could still have some difficult quarters in the short term. So, okay, the outlook is somewhat better than we might have expected for the US some time ago. Let's turn to China, where I think we could pretty much say the same thing in terms of the speed of the reopening has clearly surprised, well, not only us, but most people in terms of a faster than expected reopening. So what is our outlook for the Chinese economy? Can we get a little bit more optimistic now? Uh, yes, I mean, that's what we've uh, been. Uh, we've been turning more positive and re revising up our forecast a few weeks ago, um, actually when the government decided uh, to to uh, to change the policy um, in, with regards to uh, to the to the zero tolerance um, uh, for for the COVID. And um, that is the main driver of uh, the upward revision. Uh, it should be also helped by the fact that, um, of course, with increasing mobility and, and Chinese consumers being uh, having having a number of months of constraints behind them, are probably also keen to consume a bit like we've seen in in Europe and in the in the US. So obviously, um, also a more positive environment uh, for for China. To what extent uh, global growth will be picking up uh, will probably also depend a bit on the evolution of geopolitical uh, uh, factors. Uh, but we could also see a breakthrough at some point in the, in the coming uh, three to six months. Yep. So pretty positive in China as well, therefore, from the sort of support measures to, to stabilize the property market, as you said, the reopening post-COVID lockdowns. Now, if we turn to Europe, I would argue that we've had a pretty positive surprise, again, largely coming from the easing of the energy crisis. Now, clearly, natural gas prices and linked electricity prices at the wholesale level have come down quite dramatically from where they were a few months ago. So it would seem that energy prices have peaked and, and the, those peaks are now well behind us. Of course, we're also approaching the end of winter and so far weather has been relatively kind to us. We have not had a very cold winter, so gas demand has remained restrained. I guess all of that combined with the fact that European households still have a lot of cash sitting in the bank following lockdowns and also the fact that employment levels remain near record highs. I suppose all of that is somewhat better than new news than expected for Europe. And so, again, could we argue that any eventual recession in Europe should be milder than consensus would have expected a while ago? Yeah, I mean, um, the, the, definitely there's also been here uh, some reasons for us to upgrade the scenario on, uh, on the Eurozone. Uh, we've seen the economy more resilient uh, from the leading indicators. We've seen the energy situation also less dramatic, of course, helped by a milder winter and approaching now uh, the, the end of the, the, the winter period is definitely uh, part of the argument here to, uh, to be more positive. Um, the, the, the recession, if there is, um, should be actually even milder than in the, than in the US. And there's actually a, a pretty good chance that we will not see a recession in, the, in Europe. When it comes to the um, resilience or the source of resilience, it's 
As for the US, uh, the idea that um, consumers are here um, more positive also, uh, we've seen sentiment, uh, a turn in sentiment in the positive direction, probably supported by the resilience also on the job market. You see that companies are very keen to keep their workers and have a perception that uh, finding qualified workers will stay an issue for long. And thus, this gives also the, um, the, the consumers and the, uh, the employees uh, the, um, the, quite some confidence about the, about the income uh, perspectives going forward. So all of that suggests that um, we should be moving gradually in a more positive environment, despite also maybe some short-term weakness over the next three to six months. But in the second half of the year, as for the U.S., we should see an acceleration of growth. And in the Europe, we expect less uh, of, of, of the negative effects of the increase in rates on the housing. Uh, this has to do with some structural aspects uh, of the market, uh, U.S. versus Europe. Uh, but all in all, we, we expect the, the, the downturn in the housing to be less severe uh, in, in Europe than in the U.S. So that is uh, here also uh, part of the reason why we've been upgrading also the, the, the outlook for growth in, uh, in, in Europe. Okay, so so if we summarize what we think about economic momentum in the US, China, and the Eurozone, it's all in all three regions been somewhat better than expected for different reasons. You know, the reopening in China, the easing of the energy crisis in Europe, and I think quite a lot of resilience uh, as well in the US, particularly in the service sector. But notwithstanding all of that, when we look year on year, 2023 versus 2022, we're going to see extremely low levels of economic growth. They might be just above zero for the year, but not by much. So there's a clear slowdown, a big slowdown in economic growth and also therefore for earnings growth for companies in those regions. So why, given all of that, are we positive on equities as an asset class today? Because we have been since December, we still are today. Now, why is that? given this rather morose economic outlook? Well, there's two fundamental reasons. Um, I would say the most important reason is that uh, looking at the growth inflation mix uh, after revisions, uh, we are still uh, confident that central banks are close to the peak uh, in, their, uh, in, their, in their policy rate level, the so-called terminal rate. We expect uh, the terminal rate to be 5% in the US to be reached um, soon in, in March. And just after that, also uh, the ECB reaching uh, their terminal uh, peak uh, or the, the, the terminal rate at 325 for the deposit rate. From then on, we think that central banks will be um, holding on to those levels uh, up until the end of this year and only in 24 uh, will they consider rate cuts, but they could be relatively fast uh, depending on the evolution of, uh, of inflation and how fast inflation is coming down. So we are looking for a combination of a peak in policy rates, probably the yields already coming down in the second half of the year. And the second big dimension supporting equities is the fact that um, markets are not so much looking at the absolute level of, uh, of earnings uh, in the coming uh, quarters, but more on 
the question whether the downward revision trend is coming to an end. And we've discussed already that um, for the macro part, we still we are quite confident that we have seen now the end of the downward revisions uh, in uh, for GDP. And we should see that also for EPS in the coming month. And that is really what the market is looking for. Uh, not so much the next one or two quarters, but really the trend in forecast uh, for the next uh, for the next few years and and all of that uh, is supportive despite the short term uncertainty okay so that's that's supportive for our equity stance but one thing that uh, seems to be throwing a spanner in the works at least in the very short term is the fact that last week's january non-farm payroll report from the us on employment was really surprisingly strong i mean really strong and as a result we've seen bond yields go back up and equities take a bit of a stumble really they've they've calmed down a bit and are sitting back a little bit at the moment after what has been a very good run over the last few months how would you explain that and what do you what do you think does that mean going forwards do we expect employment to stay as strong as it was seemingly in january or can we expect this to renormalize and calm back down again and therefore can we by extension if we look at bond yields can we expect bond yields to calm down a bit and equities to eventually rebound and go up further. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a very good point, and it's sometimes confusing for investors. But really, uh, what what in our opinion is the most important driver for the next few uh, few quarters and probably years is the evolution of rates, uh, because rates are playing a very important role uh, for for equities, also for bonds, uh, via the discounting process. I mean, we know that if we calculate the present value of profits. This is basically calculating the present value of a company, of a stock. And when you are using higher discount rates, or in a, uh, that means higher uh, rates, um, then you also get a lower present value, which is negative uh, for equity. So if the market is hesitating um, about our scenario that rates will peak and come down, uh, that is also something that could question then the path of, 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 of equities. But despite the fact that Friday's job figures uh, obviously put a bit more pressure on the Fed short term, we don't think that this figure will be enough to derail uh, the scenario that we have for the Fed, i.e. The, the, the scenario that the Fed is close to the end of the rate uh, cycle, uh, simply because we have here an isolated uh, figure uh, that has been uh, truly impressive in terms of level and especially relative to expectations. But we also know that the job uh, series are relatively volatile. Uh, seasonal uh, adjustments can be an issue. Uh, so we need definitely to have confirmation uh, that uh, the employment situation is as positive or as tight as, as suggested by that one figure from, from last Friday. And again, we don't think that this figure will be repeated. We still are confident that the job market will be gradually cooling because the, the delayed effect of the rate hikes via the housing market will also gradually impact the job market. And, and thus, we are not keen here to, uh, to revise uh, our scenario. It is, however, something to be monitored. Uh, it is probably the number one risk factor for our scenario. Uh, so we have to monitor whether the job report is, is, is running hotter than we think. 
and that the Fed could be pushed to do more. But again, we think this is not the case and we have to monitor in the coming weeks and, 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 and months how the evolution is uh, on that particular topic. Okay, but I mean, bottom line view, if we take the employment report, your point is it's just one number and in the months to come, we should see easing of the sort of employment situation in the US and therefore easing of wage growth, which in turn should calm down the Federal Reserve and mean that they probably don't need to raise rates much more from, from what we expect, i.e. not much above 5% or maybe just to 5%. So on that basis, we shouldn't panic too much about equity markets or bond markets at the moment, wouldn't you say? Correct. Um, it is our main risk factor uh, relative to our uh, to our base case scenario. It is something that will probably drive some volatility in the coming uh, weeks and months. We could have some uh, some comeback, some temporary comeback of doubts about the path of rates. But we are confident that looking back in a few months, we will see a development that is in line with, or broadly in line at least, with what we expect today. Excellent. So overall, then. We can stay positive on equities and stay pretty constructive on investment-grade credit and corporate bonds as well, on the basis that we see a slowdown but not a dramatic recession. But neither do we see a re-acceleration of growth that will be persistent over time. Thank you very much for your time, Guy, today. Uh, that's been very illuminating. Thank you very much as well to our listeners. Please do like, share and subscribe to this podcast. Please look out for further installments in this weekly series in the weeks to come. and. For more investment research from BNP Paribas Wealth Management, please search on Google for BNP Paribas Voice of Wealth. Thank you very much, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.